From the creators of Relevant Magazine, it's the Relevant Podcast. Friday, April 11th, 2014, and this is The Relevant Podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. It's an amazing library of over over 100,000 audiobooks, and they have a special deal for Relevant Podcast listeners. If you go over to audiblepodcast.com slash relevant, you can sign up for their Audible listener program, and they're going to give you a 30-day free trial in a free audiobook. Uh, podcast friends who have uh, you know recently been on the show who have books on Audible, uh, Rachel Cruz, uh, her book Smart Money, Smart Kids uh, is on audible.com. Shauna Nequist, three books, is on audible.com. Never heard of her. And, uh, <laughs> and John Acuff, Start, uh, is on audible.com. A bunch, of, a bunch of great stuff. That's great. You, you're podcast listeners. You like listening to things. You're probably commuting a lot. Mm-hmm. Audiblepodcast.com slash relevant. And very mobile friendly, too. Very they mobile do a friendly. very good job. They really do. Over at the Amazon. <laughs> uh, well, I'm your host, Cameron Strang. Here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Koffel. Fantastic. It's nice to see you. Uh, on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Chicago, Illinois, author and speaker, Shauna Nequist. Wow. Good morning. And over there, thankfully. Thank God Dad's home. Back. Oh, I'm so glad you're back. On the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael you Snavely. Know, I almost didn't come back. Never leave us again. really, really fun to see you guys sweat last Never week. Never leave Ch- us again. Chad, what was your thoughts after listening to last week? I've only listened to about half the episode because I'm going to be honest, I got a little bored. Because you don't have wow. three hours. Because <laughs> I don't have three hours. Um, Did you get bored by how like like funny it was and stuff? Or? Yeah, I was just laughing too much. Um, <laughs> right. I was laughing way too much. It was um, it was it was an experience to be on the other side of the radio. Okay, here, here's what happened in your absence. Mm-hmm. You left me I very left little very information. De- I left you incredibly detailed notes. Very. I Stick sit down <laughs> all over this board. I sit down to to record. And, and it says, coming up on the show, we have War Paint. Oh, awesome. I Neat. like War Paint. Yeah. And we have a special segment with John Acuff. Right. At which point, okay. I'm watching you announce that and kind of just go blank. And you're like, so, I, I, I don't, don't know, know. I so, how to do this. Here we go. From my perspective, <laughs> I've already emailed Cameron the Dropbox file for the War Paint interview. And if he's already gotten John, uh, Shauna and Jesse on the line, how hard is it to get John on the line? I didn't it's talk the to John. It's the exact same thing. I didn't even know... That John, that John was existed. a thing, you know. So now, now, has anyone talked to John since? <laughs> so, listeners, if you noticed, last week's show was normal length, if not longer, minus an entire segment. We usually do two segments. Yep. We do an interview and some other thing, and that other thing was gone. What did we fill it with? More Talking. of y'all. Yeah. yeah. So I, I also really like that the conversation about like, oh, I'd really like to hear an unedited version of the show has pretty much just stopped. Like, <laughs> like, ah, you see. I see. It's Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, I got to be honest. I was a little cocky. I was a little like, oh, I did this for two yeah. years. This is nothing. It's like riding a bike. Yeah, Guess can, what, folks? I can do it. Anyone can If do you it. don't touch a piece of software for four and a half years. You forget. No, I know. I mean, I mean, like I'm sitting there looking at this thing, going, "I know that I did X, Y, and Z before. 
What button does those things? I know. I just opened up Print Shop to make a birthday banner for my friend on my dot matrix printer. I had no idea what to do. <laughs> so I'm Is so- it supposed to make these noises? <laughs> I spent probably 16 hours editing, editing, thank you, a podcast, a free which podcast. sounds unedited. <laughs> That's the worst of it. People are like, oh, wow, you guys just threw this one together. No, nope. we didn't. Yeah. It was literally, we were here, I mean, I we were talking and sharing stories until 3 or 4 a.m. that day. Yeah. It, was, it was awful. Cameron, just think about all the things that you can accomplish in 16 uninterrupted hours, and that's how long it took. I like, could learn you magic build, tricks. You could build like a shed or something. <laughs> like, like a really impressive structure. Oh, you did a fine job. It's just, I think... I don't think yeah. it's a. I think it's a testament to Chad's ability to make the magic. So here's the. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was like <laughs> anybody who wants like to like be appreciated all anew and like really boost your job security. Go on just, vacation just for go a week. Away. Yeah, that's what I told <laughs> Bree and the kids. I'm like, no, Daddy's gone for a month. <laughs> when I come back, you'll appreciate. Yeah, me. You, you'll you'll miss Daddy's contribution at home. <laughs> I'm gonna go build it. I'm gonna go build a shed. Yeah, and see how much you love me. Well, we have a great show uh, in store for you. Coming up later, we have podcast friend Donald Miller talking to one of my heroes, Bob Goff. And podcast friend. And podcast friend Bob Goff. Um, In the current issue of Relevant, uh, we have, you know, uh, we've had Bob on the show here. uh, And it was one of the most inspiring kind of segments we've ever done. It was Mm -hmm. amazing. And a lot of people like have read his book, Love Does, and they've they heard that segment. They 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 hear him talk and they go, I want to be Bob Goff. Yeah. I want to live, you know, whimsically and, you know, passionately and love everyone and blah, blah, blah. And then they go, oh, wait, I don't know how to be Bob Goff. Hmm. And, and, and so there's almost this thing of like, oh, the Bob Goff thing only works if you are Bob Goff. If you are this incredibly <laughs> affluent lawyer who can not work for three months a year and, all, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and so we actually had Don talk to Bob about that. How do you kind of t- translate this life that you're talking about to the real world where there's like mortgages and kids and no margin and how does this actually work in real life? Yeah, because I never got in a sense from reading like his writing or hearing him speak that like the Bob Goffness has anything to do with the fact that he has planes and things of that nature. Like it, it like there is an element of it that is just can translate to everyone. Well, there, but I think people are like, I want to quit my job and go to Uganda. And I want to go, you know, it's like, oh, wait, I can't do that. So then does this mean that I can't live the way that Bob wants us to live? So Don talks to him about that. Hmm. And we talked to Bob about what do you do if you're not Bob? And uh, it's fascinating. Uh, And coming up later after the Bob Goff segment, we actually have the John Acuff thing that was supposed to happen last week. We are calling John Acuff. How, how is I'm it gonna, even possible? I'm going to make Cameron do How it. do we even do that? He's been standing by for seven days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor John. I'm sorry. Um, I don't, I don't want to complain or anything, but I am laying on a floor that is covered with insects right now. <gasps> oh, totally no. get, get, let her get up. That, let her I get mean, up. here's the... Here's, can we right. say why Sean is laying on a floor? <laughs> like, so that nobody thinks yeah. she's not okay? Yeah. <laughs> there aren't a pile of beach towels around. She is in a, a glass room that is echoing too much. And so to try and dampen the echo of the glass cathedral she is broadcasting from, she crawled under a desk. Yeah. Right. People what? listening, this is the dedication Shauna Nyquist has to you. Yeah. There's, there's also a tornado warning in her area. So. If someone came in this office, they would think I was unconscious. They'd see just like my legs hanging out from a desk. They'd think I was like the Wicked Witch or something. And I, and I also, I don't want to, I don't want to get too inside baseball here, but like you, you're at Willow Creek, and they have insects all over the floor. I feel like they might be able to figure out some sort of extermination. Like I don't. 
I don't know how tithes are, but <laughs> I can <gotta laughs> imagine. Somebody. Yeah. There's, there's somebody that, for Orkin that could probably help out. Yeah, maybe. Thanks for your devotion, Shauna. Well, before all that, uh, entertainment releases, music coming out on Tuesday, April 15th, Tax Day, page CXVI, or page 116, you can say it either way, they told us, um, is releasing Good Friday to Easter, uh, which is streaming going to be streaming on The Drop, because that is the week of Easter. Right. It is. Very yeah. excited. Is there a name for the week of Easter? Holy Week? Holy Week. Is it Holy Week? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, I, mean, I grew up so in a Pentecostal <laughs> church. We didn't. We didn't, <laughs> we, we didn't celebrate things. like We waved the Easter. palm fronds on Sunday, but it was more just you know. We, know. Did, we as like did, instead of the worship flags, we, uh, yeah, we instead of the flag team. What are we doing for Easter other than the chocolate bunnies at the seven thirty service? Well, I mean, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Oh, <laughs> is kind of. I mean, I know that probably there will be other lights and fog machines and things, but generally we're going to lean on that as the exciting kind of focal point, yeah, and then j- the rest of it will iron itself out. I mean, just, be- just for context for Pentecostal, the Holy Week thing, we generally celebrate the resurrection of Christ on Easter. Gotcha. Yeah. So there's not some big paper mache stone that will be rolled away in the middle of the service you know what you know what you want uh, honestly yeah. what we do on Easter is we try to do our very very best version of what would happen every other week when you come to our church because our idea is that there's a lot of new people at Summit and we don't want to get them there and they see this whole thing and then they come back the next week and it's not that thing at all. So, so, we, so they can expect candy every time they come. <laughs> <laughs> every time So that's the reason behind the candy. Let's trick them. Right. Yeah, we're actually doing we're doing a baptism video because we're going to be moving towards we start talking about baptism is kind of an, a next step to that. So two weeks later, we all go out to beach to beach baptism. So a lot of times on Easter Sunday, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. When my church does beach baptism, they always do it at like because of where we do like a beach service. But there's like a stage that you can run out. But it's at like the most popular like tourist spot on the Virginia Beach oceanfront, and it's in the middle of the summer, so it is like packed, and no one knows when they just see people walking down there in their clothes or or, or more modestly dressed than the average beachgoer. <laughs> so we're, you're like walking around families, like having their beach day, and like shoulder to shoulder beach, and there's like little, literally little kids like boogie boarding through the baptisms. <laughs> <laughs> Our first beach baptism that we ever did, well, it actually wasn't at the beach; it was just in a lake, and it was. A, a local lake and uh, they <laughs> they got moved and couldn't find it. They, they ended up going to a dog park that is attached to a lake oh, and they're no. like Stop. they're like oh well it's no big deal because like the lake is still really clean but like people one? Pe- yeah oh that one yeah oh, so my. people were coming no, up with no, like chunks a, of dog hair there are <laughs> but, <and laughs> that lake in particular there's a sign that says watch your dog because this is an alligator infested lake your dogs will get eaten well in Florida we don't really worry about that because I mean there's sharks everywhere I mean we're, at, we're in one of the like highest shark bite uh, New Smyrna Beach is the top number yeah. one uh, destination for shark attacks in the world. Yeah, so where we baptize people is the number one yeah. shark. But I, I, I just don't think it can happen on beach baptism. I just feel. Oh yeah, you think Jesus will protect everybody? Yeah, yeah, don't you? Yeah, he'll everyone. tame the wild alligators. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I. Yeah, well, That's like, my he theology. Didn't, he didn't prevent you from getting moved to the dog park. But don't worry, he's got the alligators. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. I don't understand how it works. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Like, oh yeah. Like, yeah, he didn't help our reservation from getting lost. But don't worry, guys. I got a good feeling about the alligator infestation. <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, also coming out on the fifteenth. Need to Breathe, Rivers in the Wasteland. Uh, Sean McDonald's coming out with Brave. The Afghan Wigs is coming out hmm. with Do the Beast. That's terrifying. That's not a thing. Uh, Woods is coming out with With Light and With Love. Ingrid Michaelson 
Lights out. I like Ingrid Michaelson. What was her like big song? I don't know. Be okay, right? Oh, I just want to be okay. Pretty yeah. that one. I like the way you sing, Chad. Let's sing, sing it some more, Chad. No, I'd like to hear Eddie sing because no. I missed last week. Did you sing? Any, <laughs> did you sing it last week? Nope. Neither Shauna nor I oh, uh, had a tune in our heart last man, week. Another reason last week sucked. And <laughs> <laughs> last, hey, what didn't I, suck? I, I, I just said it wasn't good. I joke, oh, I joke. <laughs> it was great. It was fine. <laughs> really I saw hurtful. some very positive <laughs> feedback. Uh, that people enjoyed the I did experience too. I of did the loosey goosey last week. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and also funny. coming out, Horse Thief with uh, Fear and Bliss. Horse Thief. There's a lot of horse related bands. Yeah. Uh, is it I break people horses. stealing horses or is it horses that have a proclivity for taking stuff? <laughs> <laughs> That's the question you got to ask when thinking about that band. Now, are you calling the horse yeah, a is thief? It, is it a horse with like a bandit mask on? Right, right. right. <laughs> hey, you guys seen, uh, you guys seen my bike? Like tiptoeing. Because <laughs> I feel like a horse Freaking would be horse. kind of a hard thing to steal. <laughs> Have you seen my bike? <laughs> of all the things that would be hard for a horse to steal. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking maybe like an apple or something. <laughs> See, like a diamond ring. Yeah. yeah, that is a good point. But, but but again, I feel like a horse is like a really difficult thing to steal. Yeah, it's okay. it, just don't poke holes in those jokes. <laughs> uh, uh, movies coming out on Friday the 18th. Transcendence. Uh, with Johnny Depp, Morgan Freeman. Uh, Transcendence, and a haunted house too. Nope. Marlon Wayans. I, he was on Fallon this week, and they showed a clip of this movie, and it looked like it was shot with an iPhone. Really? It looked awful, and it was so unfunny. Ugh, I hate scary movies, too. The but worst. it's not, no, it's a spoof. It's a spoof <laughs> on uh, the all those scary, uh, and so they did Haunted House, you know, one or whatever, mm-hmm. and he said on Fallon, they made the movie for $1.3 million. Do the math, Hollywood salaries. They made the movie for one point three million dollars, and it made sixty two million dollars. Oh <laughs> wow! And so, so they made Haunted House two, and they bumped up their budget to a whopping three million dollars. Great! So they got like uh, Cedric the Entertainer's in it, and Jamie Presley, and they and all that. That's how they spent their extra budget. Um, all right, that'll do for your entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, slices. Listening to Propaganda, the song is Crimson Chord from his upcoming album of the same name. Propaganda is amazing. It's a good dude. At the beginning of the podcast, uh, you heard Manchester Orchestra with Top Notch from the new album. Although, I'm going to just go out and say... The Manchester Orchestra opener, nothing, nowhere near as good as the opener. Your opener was for last pretty week, so. awesome last yeah. week. It was pretty cool. It got, it got the party moving. Yeah. So. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, and that's no diss against Manchester Orchestra. I'm sorry, Manchester Orchestra. You're no Lil John. I'm sorry. You're just not Lil John. I think they'd own up to that. <laughs> I think they're okay with that. <laughs> if right? you were asking I, the whole I was orchestra. Say, they're probably fine with that. <laughs> um, Slices is, we actually have a sponsor for Slices this week. Uh, the show was brought to us by Audible, but this segment is sponsored by 
our new favorite snack food, Nature Box. I'm literally eating it on mic right now. Mm. Yeah. Me too. Which is not very good <clears throat> at Sriracha roasted peanuts. Uh, cashews. Cashews. My bad. Yeah, they yeah. would never put sriracha yeah, on peanuts. My, what am I thinking? What are you, crazy? <laughs> Nature Box is a subscription service that offers uh, the ability to discover and enjoy delicious, nutritious snacks on a monthly basis. Uh, they ship to all 50 states. Uh, they, they they have amazing, like, kind of smarter snack options. We what, what are some of the ones in the box you're eating right now? Sour cream and onion almonds, which are incredible. Sriracha roasted cashews, very good. Big Island pineapple, which is dried pineapple, and whole wheat blueberry figgy bars. I grabbed a bag last week and took them on the flight with me, and they oh. were uh, uh, sea nice. salt plantains, and they were oh, wow. unbelievable. Literally, we didn't have those last week because yeah, you took them with you. Yeah. yeah. So you abandoned us, and you took our snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dad. He's like a horse thief. Um, <laughs> Back in counseling. Thanks. <laughs> All the products are made from wholesome ingredients and are nutritionist approved. Uh, members receive a discovery box of, su- of surprise snacks for their first nature box. And, th- <laughs> and then they have the option to choose the snacks. Something really tickled me about that. Surprise it, snacks! Nature box, I didn't mention this last week. Nature box is available in three sizes at, at three different price points. You get the deluxe snacker, which is five bags for $19.95, a happy snacker, which is 10 bags for $29.95, just a fatty snacker, and a smart snacker, <laughs> uh-huh. which is 20 bags for $49.95. Uh, and, and the cool thing, your monthly box always ships free. So and no what you'll be able to do with all those boxes when you're done with them. Stack them up, make a little house, fun, ha- fun little playhouse for the kids. Sorry. I'm not a professional broadcaster. <laughs> sold. So I, wa- I was on the fence before, but Eddie, I'm sold. Forget the delicious snacks. I just want some just nice boxes to play around with. So if you want to get some delicious snacks that you can feel good about, head over to naturebox.com slash relevant and you'll get 50% off your first order naturebox.com slash relevant. No promo code. Just go to that URL, 50% off, and uh, you won't regret it. It's really good stuff. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Well, the the, the TV network NBC, as many of you, uh, as many uh, listeners who may have watched recently uh, have realized, is, is officially out of sitcom ideas. So much so that they're actually going to try to crowdsource their programming lineup. Hey. Um, that we, I think we could do better than them, so yeah. go for it. Certainly. Good. Yeah, so basically, they, they've uh, uh, starting on May 1st, they're going to launch this new thing called the NBC Comedy Playground. And you can go to their website and basically submit your own concept for a sitcom uh, via like a, a few-minute video. Um, and they're not looking for like stand-up comedians or, or people that are formal TV writing. They're looking for people that have zero experience. Uh, so they're going to they're gonna take all these submissions. Then they formed a panel of, t- of people who are actually really good at TV comedy. Amy Poehler, uh, Mindy Kaling, Aziz Ansari, Jason Bateman, Adam McKay are on this panel. They're going to look through the submissions, and they're going to choose 10 finalists. Um, and out of those 10 finalists, NBC is going to give you – if you were to pitch an idea – and it got uh, approved by uh, Aziz Ansari and this crew of, of experienced television personalities. NBC is going to give you money to film a pilot, and then uh, they're actually going to pick two of the pilots, and they're going to show five episodes of your show on NBC in prime time uh, with the potential that you actually get a full series out of it. Uh, so NBC, in a way, is acknowledging that they're pretty much tapped out of ideas, but it is uh, um, they, they, the executive told Entertainment Weekly that they're basically uh, wanted to provide original commie minds who are looking for a way to get into the television business with a new opportunity. So I wanted to ask you guys if you had to pitch a sitcom idea to NBC, what would it be? 
Oh, you got to give us prep for that, man. On top of the dome. Well, so basically what they're doing is uh, they looked at the website Threadless and they said, oh, if this works for T-shirts where people can vote on their favorite designs and then the ones that get the top votes will produce. Yeah, or Project Greenlight from a couple years ago, that Matt Damon thing where he made... Here's the funny thing about this. Which I own on DVD for some reason. This is weird. I know. I don't know why I have it. I have the full three-part Project Greenlight. I think it's Greenlight. the same reason that you own like $10,000 worth of Magic Closet stuff. And, like, you just, <laughs> you're just a strange collector of oddities. Uh, I won't disagree with that. Um, yeah. But here's a funny thing about that. Like, there is, I, I listen to a ton of like these writers writing podcasts and how they create shows and stuff. And like, this is doomed for failure because why? a good idea is almost nothing when it comes to like the fully realized great show like you have to have a great showrunner you have to go to have a good writing team yeah. you have to have somebody that knows how to produce yeah it's not the concept it's it's yeah. the execution because concepts are like good and only take you so far but if you think about the concept you of, could do an amazingly funny show of people sitting in an office correct well, well, right. yeah, if well, it's done uniquely and funny or a dysfunctional family that kind of yeah. is weaving through each other's lives like yeah. but to make it arrested development takes one of the best writing rooms of all time and like i just wonder is this like really possible to make anything even moderately successful with the well, diet of entertainment we're used to well well to, to play devil's advocate because i hear what you're saying eddie but at the same time I agree. It's not just in the concept because you could say, you know, you could say, okay, I got a, I got a, a, a sitcom about the you, you mundanity of office life, or um, four New Yorkers who don't, who are sort of narcissists that don't do anything, or people hanging out in a bar. Right. And you, you look at Cheers, The Office, uh, uh, and Seinfeld are, you know, three of the most popular sitcoms of all time. Right. But. I do think there is wisdom in the crowd, and you are going to find people that are naturally funny and have the ability with some money and some resources to pull it off. Just because I feel like Hollywood has gotten so bad at you, you, I mean, there are so many shows that fail despite right. having all star writers and all star cast, and even even all star credentials. You know, I was thinking about the the joke is always that we make on NBC is like, oh, it's going to be the next Joey. Right, you know, right. I mean, that came out of the most popular sitcom of its era. You know, it, it literally had all of the backing of friends and, and writing staff and actors and things from friends, but it was a total joke and a laughing stock. So I think th- those things don't necessarily work uh, in favor of a show sometimes because they get, or in favor of a writing team or talent because they get caught up in these. Uh, conventional ideas that they've tried a million times before. Well, NBC, a, a few months ago, Grantland uh, ran, ran a great piece and analysis about NBC and the state of comedy at NBC because obviously in the 90s, must-see TV, you know, on Thursdays with Seinfeld and Friends and all that, it was, it was the, the, the best, uh, mm-hmm. you know, television comedy. And it's dropped off so significantly. And they talked about, like, how to fix NBC's comedy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the writer at Grantland made a compelling case that NBC is better positioned than any other network to become, like, the next era of comedy uh, leaders again if they made some adjustments. First of all, clean house mm-hmm. and put Lorne Michaels over the comedy department. Make it uh, New York-based, not L.A.-based. And, and, and basically, think about the... I mean, the Golden Globe winner for best comedy is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. The funniest show... I think on especially new show, if not Certainly. on television. Oh, it's amazing! It, it's hilarious, and 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 that is 
uh, uh, Lauren Michaels produced Andy Samberg thing out of the SNL. Uh, Mindy Kaling got her start uh, on on The Office, an NBC mm-hmm. franchise, and and they didn't want her show, and she went over to Fox. And the Mindy show, the Mindy project is fantastic. Yeah. And so like, the, there's example after example that he documents of great groundbreaking comedy that should have been NBC's mm-hmm. that they that they squandered. And if you would just re rejigger things, yeah. that 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 the SNL pipeline is such a comedic. I mean, like powerhouse that it could spin off so many shows that NBC should be the com- comedy leader, yeah. and 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 like they're not, and it's crazy that now they're so desperate that they're doing stunts like this. It's so sad to me. I wish that uh, somebody like NBC, who has you know the capital and the the power, I wish they were able to give people a little more time to build something along the way. I think what what. If you've ever, you know, built something, a lot of these, like the pilots, they're they're kind of funny, but they're kind of awkward. And then you watch three seasons in and they found something amazing. Yeah. But we're not giving anything three seasons anymore. You get like, you know, however many episodes. And if you haven't fully realized your idea, then it's over. Right. But I think some of the best shows, when you go back and you look at the beginning, they had not by any means found their footing. Well, and yeah. it seems like if you're a company with kind of all the power of an NBC, you could essentially take a risk on giving people the time to build something good over time instead of hustling for initial results right. and then throwing that off and then more initial results and more initial results. Let something become over time. And they kind of have a track record with doing that at the right times. I mean, Parks and Rec was weird the first season. Yeah. And then yeah, it you, turned amazing. Yeah. Well, and the same with, uh, yeah, I mean, it started strong, but it got so good and sharp was 30 Rock. Totally. You know? Oh, my totally. goodness. Like, it was such a high concept show that it was hard to translate at first. But if you go, if you go watch Thirty Rock starting at season three, like on Netflix, mm-hmm. that that is the best writing you're going to hear on any comedy. Yeah. You know, so so, so uh, anybody with with uh, a camcorder and an idea camcorder, so they're going after filmmakers. <laughs> Do you just hold on to that because your name is part of it? Because <laughs> everything you use is a camcorder. Does it have to be a sitcom? They're looking for a specific like half hour sitcom. Yeah, it's only comedy. They're oh, trying okay. to. They don't want you to do Rosemary's Baby or something. They don't want you to. (laughs) Well, because I've always wanted the. That's their new show. I've always wanted the variety show back. I want like I've always wanted like Ed Sullivan back. Uh, Yeah, something at like Sunday night, eight o'clock, where it's like we've got to see this. Like we got to see like what band, what comedian. I've always wanted the I want an hour long variety. (laughs) But 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 the Tonight Show isn't that for you? Like late night late night TV hasn't become that for you? I think it's different because there was still yes, in a way it is, but sort of like there was that whole family element to it. And I'm not talking like family friendly, but there was just sort of like that. The country's unified around. It's like when um, it felt that way a little bit when American Idol started, like the first season, like everybody watched like the fun finale of that kind of show, and yeah. it was like, oh, like we were joined together in this thing. I would, I'd like the variety show. No, the late night thing doesn't do it for me, really, because it's just late. Like I can't stay up that late. Speaking of late night, Dave Letterman retiring. Oh man, I was bummed. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm again plugging Grantland. Bill Simmons wrote, uh, uh, he put to words everything I feel about Dave Letterman retiring this week. You, you read that piece. It's it's moving and stunning. Dave Letterman was the first like adult comedy. He helped define my sense of humor. Um, like the, he he was so he was so like irreverent, and he would like take the camera out of the studio, and he would like. 
like have recurring bits and like he would use the crew as as like characters and mm-hmm. like he was comedy to me in my high school formative years in my high school and college years and 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 and, and I don't really watch him anymore and and I, but I like knowing he's there you know mm-hmm. and so it was it was sad to me to you know but if you watch the way that he the way he announced the retirement it was so Dave. Oh, yeah. It was so yeah. quintessentially him. It was right. Absolutely. Like he literally nobody knew. The fact that Dave just said, I've decided, I'm ready. I'm gonna do it on my terms. No pomp and circumstance. No I'm not promo. Gonna, no no crowd. Yeah, no promo, no tears. I'm just gonna speak from the heart for a minute. Yeah. And he's gonna sail off in the sunset. He was so formative. He's the you know, the he's the last one of like the the era of like I, they're larger than life. You know, it was really Johnny and Dave. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't put Leno in that category in any way, shape, or no. form. It was no. Johnny and Dave. And it's like, it, to see him go, I love Fallon. I watch him actually every night. I'm watching late night TV more now than I mm-hmm. have in a long time. It, you know, Kimmel's great. But none of them are going to ever be Dave because right. he he rewrote the script for late night television. Letterman Letterman made me love New York. And and I remember the first time I went to New York when I was 16 years old, the only thing I wanted to see was the the marquee yeah. of that theater. Yeah, Sex and the City did that for me. <laughs> just, I was just like, you know what? I'm Miranda. I'm going around just discovering Brooklyn and living in a little something. I have never loved you more. Yes. <laughs> Mine was you're season t- one of Naked and Afraid, afraid before yeah. they took off the clothes and put them in the wilderness. You're really a, you're a carry, aren't you? <laughs> right, because you write and you're cool, like too cool, like not you cool. Never like say in a, that about yourself. No. No, but you are. I'm going to say that about you. You're you're Carrie. So you. good job for you. And you could never say that about yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a Only Carrie. Only Carrie would really say everybody that. Everybody thinks they're a Carrie. Right? Everybody that says they're a Carrie is probably a Samantha. And you don't want <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to go there. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. What do you have, Shauna? Um, so I want to talk about Claire, who live tweeted her labor and delivery. Yes, I'm glad you're talking Claire about Claire Diaz-Ortiz is yes. employee number five at Twitter, and she actually wrote a piece, is writing a piece for the next issue of Relevant um, on tech, on technology and influence and impact. Uh, how to give birth. Yep. So Claire, Claire is a big deal. So yeah, tell this story. It's amazing. So I actually, we know each other just a little bit through mutual friends. And so we follow each other on Twitter and I had just, she has a book coming out right now. And so I had read an early copy and stuff. And so I was on a, uh, getting on a flight and just scrolling through Twitter on Saturday morning. And I see her post something like, I just Googled, did my water break? I'm like, what? wait, is she really doing this? <laughs> and then followed her all throughout the day. And she was posting uh, over and over throughout the day, hashtag in labor about from, uh, did my water break? How do I know I'm in labor? Uh, the car broke down. I can't get a cab. We didn't pack a bag. Goodness. Uh, is this what labor feels like? Ouch. Uh, all the way through. <laughs> um, oh. and then at a certain point said, you know, okay, baby's here. We're going to take some time, you know, for bonding and then posted a picture of her baby with her own new little, uh, Twitter name, Lucia. So, and I think I think it's a really interesting uh, concept. Do you, do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it's a bad idea? Obviously, people have such strong feelings about it. Um, and I actually, we uh, we've talked about this with our friends. What are the things that you want people to know publicly about how your labor is progressing? And what are the things <laughs> that really you only text to your mom? You know. So, um, yeah. What do you think? When I start seeing people post like 
inches or diameter or whatever <laughs> that kind of crap you, is. You need to be really, really be careful. I'm right just now. checking yeah. out, man. Yeah. Well, 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 Chad. Uh, Too much information. Fundal height. And I realize that I'm going to be in that world soon. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. I was going to say, but, but when it gets anatomical, <laughs> you check out. I'm just done. Like, I don't I, care. I, I totally TMI. Agree. TMI. TMI. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like yourself. if you're going to live tweet your birth, your your labor and delivery, I think Claire did it right. I think it was, um, there was never anything remotely like graphic or anatomical. You just, it was mostly about getting to the hospital and forgetting the bag and, and ouch and, and totally like not on, on the real physical side of things. So I think if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. But I, I would I would love to hear your all perspective as as the male reader. How did that I, feel to you? I think beyond just the the giving labor in general, it's just the the impulse to broadcast every deal of a, an extremely personal event in your life. I think that's what's more, and not necessarily just giving birth, but it could be, you know, what what whatever. Especially if you're like a public per- person who a lot of people following you presumably don't know you personally, but to get so detailed about something so intimate and personal, I, it's more that impulse that I find intriguing than mm-hmm. just, uh, it's just someone, you know, live tweeting, uh, labor, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just seems something that it, it, like, why, why do we live it, that we live in an era where people have a desire to do that? I, I, I actually, I mean, I have friends who have, you know, small kids and have very strong feelings about putting their children on li- online at all or, yeah. you know, depicting them on social media. And I actually, I mean, for me, I, I live in this weird tension where I'm not famous, but there are people who follow relevant that know who I am. Mm-hmm. And so on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram, I'm just like taking pictures and saying, like on Twitter, I typically say pithy things about whatever I'm doing. Right. But on Facebook and Instagram, it's just like, more of a visual thing for me. Like mm-hmm. I want to take pictures of the things I'm doing. And if I'm traveling, I'll take pictures of my trip. But most of my time is either at the office or with my son. And so most of my feed is pictures of my son. And and I realize like that's not why people are following me, you know, but I don't care because that's just my life and that's what I, you know, want to mm-hmm. remember. To me, I actually kind of treat Instagram and Facebook almost as my own documentation of for my own memories and my own yeah. sake. It's like I'm taking this picture and remembering this moment for myself yeah. 10 years from now. Uh, you know, a friend of mine does social media training and he says, you know, everybody, uh, this isn't like other things. There are no rules and everybody just has to decide their own rules and stay consistent to their own rules. So like what you guys were saying, like this is how I use Instagram and it's how I use it all the time. And this is what you can expect from me on Twitter. It's how I use it all the time. So the important thing is not that I use it the way you use it, but it's just that we each have an understanding. This is what I can expect from Cameron's Facebook. This is what I can expect from Eddie's right. Instagram, whatever. Right. You know, so this feels to me totally in line with her way of using Twitter. Yeah, that's right. I think it's. I think it's interesting. That, like I got on Twitter in '07. Yeah. Or, and 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 I didn't know. You know, nobody. It was a micro blogging thing, and right. nobody knew what that meant. I I actually got on because a columnist that I was following. Uh, or I read her column, uh, Whitney Matheson at uh, Pop Candy at USA Today. She was going to a music festival, and she said, I'm going to be using this new site called Twitter, and I'm going to be posting little updates, microblogs. I'm going to be posting mm-hmm. little updates from the music festival. I was like, that sounds fascinating. So yeah. I signed up for Twitter so I could follow her. And uh, she would give her like opinions of different bands who were singing stuff like that. That was why I signed up for Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and obviously, as time has evolved, people have figured out like what these different platforms can be and why they use them. Yeah. I think that's interesting, like, 
the maturation of us as using these platforms as individuals and and at the platforms themselves kind of the the life that they've taken on tumblr is very different from facebook and it's yeah. you know and snapchat is obviously why you use it is very different than you know uh, tw- uh twitter or something and 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 so like why do you use snapchat i don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah you maybe yeah i don't anymore <laughs> anymore <laughs> i got burned no, i got a bad experience on snapchat i don't want to talk about it i've never sent a snapchat in my life i can <laughs> i can let's just but say, the ones i received made me want to delete it let's just say somebody snapchatted a live birth and i oh. will never i oh, you oh. can never unsee that no moist all, I'm all grown up now <laughs> The, the, the picture may be deleted within 10 seconds, but it's forever seared into my mind. Uh, branded. But I think it's interesting because like, I don't know that it was ever a conscious thing for me. I think I just found myself uh, with different thoughts or in different moments gravitating to a different thing. Mm-hmm. And it, and I think in hindsight now, the what I said earlier, what the way I use like Instagram or the visual platforms, Instagram and Facebook, is to document mm-hmm. things I want to remember for my future self. I am writing down things for me. And, I, and if other people want to look in, great. I'm not contriving anything. I just remember, I want to remember this. I want to remember Cohen in this moment. I want to remember how excited he was, you know, when he picked out his handsome clothes for yeah, church and yeah. he wanted to tuck in his shirt so everybody could see his awesome belt. And, that's, and he took a picture of it. I want to remember that because yeah. life changes. Life yeah. goes so fast and kids change so rapidly that like these tools, if I didn't, I never have a camera on me, right? Think about the old days if we didn't have iPhones and stuff. Like These moments would fly by and you would miss the nuances and the details. And that's literally the thing that makes me so happy about social media is that it kind of like prompts me to engage that way. And and I love it. And so I'll post one or two things like every few days. You know, it's not obsessive for me, but it's something that I can look back and remember. And Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, I like Twitter as a... A writer because I like that it forces me to brevity, which is not my natural leaning. You know, yeah. usually my first two hundred one like submission will be, you know, four hundred words too long, and then you know, and they bounce it back and like force me to condense my thoughts. And I like, I like just the the quick like I can make a little joke here that I can think of just the setup and a punchline in two sentences. I like that interaction, and I like it when I love it actually, and it happened today, like when the the digital turns. I guess analog. Like, there's somebody that I know only from Twitter that listens to the show, and we're having coffee next week. And I'm like, <laughs> now that's really cool. Like, yeah, someone who Snapchat would, did that for me. Yeah, we know, <laughs> we know it did, buddy. We it know. was Chris Hansen from Dateline NBC. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Carey, that was yeah. great. <laughs> no, I think Twitter's great as a form and a technology. It's just that, like I said, it's more of the the impulse of of sharing different things is such like a new phenomenon you know the other generations didn't have to to deal with that it that's what's interesting to see evolve because people do have strong opinions about it personally it doesn't make one side right or wrong it's just that's an issue that literally there's never been a technology that has made people uh you know really wrestle with that idea for themselves We have talked about this in different ways before. We are still really wrapping our minds around this connectivity, aren't we? Like we are so. I think it's, yeah, I think everywhere I go, people are having the same conversation. We haven't yet figured out yet, figured it out yet. We love it. We hate it. We're concerned about it. We're participating in it. It's, it's a thing though. It's a thing to figure out. What do you have, Eddie? 
Here we go. So we all know the Pope is so cool, right? Like that guy's the coolest. <laughs> is that your slice? <laughs> I hang with him. Right. That's basically it. Like you guys want to talk about it because that guy's awesome. Um, so he's been doing you know a lot of traveling. I had some friends who met with him last week. Wow. What? Maybe it's, maybe it's the same friends as in your story here. Probably. Literally. So who were your friends? The Green family. Um, so the the Greens who own Hobby Lobby uh, in Oklahoma City. Mark Green is the chairman of the board at ORU. I was on the board of trustees, really close with him, and his son, Brent. The whole family. It wasn't just the patriarch and the It was like all the kids, the grandkids, like 30 of them, 30 of the Green family had an audience with the Pope. I saw Brent's Instagram no picture way. about that. Yeah. What, what, was it because of the Supreme Court, uh, the interest in the Supreme Court case? I, I'm assuming that, you know, here, that you know, they're, they are, you know, they they could go out of business. They they could be fined a million dollars a day. I mean, I mean, it's a multi billion dollar company that you know they are taking a stand for their conviction on uh, you know life issues, mm-hmm. and so that's probably I, I I don't know what the the crux of their conversation was, but I assume yeah. I, Hobby Lobby can't go out of business. When I need a decorative <laughs> clock and a set of calligraphy pens, I don't want to make two stops. Yeah, Let, let's just say this: I don't make birdhouses from scratch. Okay. Like, <laughs> Like I've tried, it doesn't work. I need Gosh. the kit to meet the Pope. That's yeah, crazy. Be, yeah, yeah. I, we won't get into that. that stuff. Just wigs me out. Anyhow, uh, someone that probably was not all that freaked out about meeting the Pope was Queen Elizabeth, um, and she met with the Pope last week. And normally, this would just be kind of a you know normal. Uh, this is what they do. And they he just met, he met wave. With, he went with they president. Both just practice waving. <laughs> give a, each other waving tips. That's a good joke. I think I read it somewhere, but I don't think you did, and I'm really impressed. Like I think like somebody on late night made that joke. Really? I heard that joke on late night. It's, it's it's like it's number two on their job description. Right. Like if, if they like if you're gonna wear, be Pope, wear you're gonna a be gown, queen, wave. I think it's in, like yeah. Listen, you gotta you gotta oversee the Vatican or you gotta oversee the United Kingdom, but you also gotta do a lot of waving. So you're gonna want to work on that. So they want to get together, discuss tips. You know, so he's <laughs> new. He's fairly new to the papacy, and so you know she's been in it for decades. So you know she's honed it. Right. You want to be like the last Pope who threw out his elbow early <laughs> in his career? No. This is the career in her. I mean, there's no there's no Tommy John for that. <laughs> I mean, Tommy John. you're going to have to resign. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tommy it's John. like the pitcher who burned out too quick. You yeah. know, he just never got that, that, that. And, and now we know the back. real reason why he resigned. Uh, the Pope, the Popism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but just, yeah, just because of the horrific elbow injury. Yeah. So they met and uh, as, as happens in these things, they usually trade gifts. And uh, I, I like, I, I really wanted to share this because I think that what the, Queen gave the Pope was the raddest. I, I, I was pumped about it. It was like, oh, I would it's want like this a gift. sword or something. You would think, right? Okay, what would you think? This is a good question. <laughs> what would, the Tower of London. Here's a here's a sword from King Arthur. Or right. So, right, so right. you're talking about what the Pope gave the Queen? No, 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 no. We'll get to that. What did the Queen give the Pope? One of those sweet. She's like, I Pope. I know you got some sweet hats. Yeah. Do you have one made of fur that's three feet tall? <laughs> Bingo. She gave him a Pharrell hat. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what do you give to the man that already has all the cool hats? What would you give? The, uh, well, I'm going to ask the question, and you can answer it at some point. What would you give the Pope? I will think about it later. Problem. I would give the Pope uh, an amazing pin. Oh. I would I would give him you know, an a, awesome a, a, a pin. I would uh, like a writing instrument. I cuz oh. you know, media this is it would be representative of of words oh, I see. and communicating and it would be some like very 
high-end pen. I would give him this Mackie mixer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be really cool. All 16 channels of it. <laughs> I would give him a sitcom idea. <laughs> yeah. About, about a, a wacky suburban family and their tomfoolery, but wait, they have a time-traveling dog. Boom! <laughs> you got it. Where'd Buster go? Uh-oh. Well, I guess he's... What is this artifact he brought back? We're gonna have a wacky adventure. Better hide it from the neighbors. Yeah, and then it's like, uh-oh, all of time has changed because he moved a leaf 10,000 yeah, years funny. ago. And of, now we have horse lines. thieves. Yeah, and they're all... Who's stealing who? The horses running Where's around with bikes. Bike? <laughs> nice job, Cameron. Well, this slice did not go as I thought it would, uh, or maybe exactly as I thought it would with I think these I guys. Give him slippers. Oh, oh, under the robe, be comfortable. Yeah, nice. Super cozy, you really are... nice. Like I get that you have a hard job, and I want your feet to be happy. Oh, Shauna, you are you are always the most eloquent and like thoughtful person like yeah. what a great that is a great gift of course yeah it really is i don't have slippers and i would love a pair hey, of slippers he's, he's sitting in his throne in his comfortable slippers writing thank you notes with my nice pen listening right. to tunes with his mackie mixer <laughs> <laughs> he's not writing thank you notes he's writing scripts you, you guys didn't ask for my concept but continue yeah just so you guys know i'd give him a picture of us so he would feel like awkward oh, like good. oh i can't really throw it out but where do i put it but i'd like to know that you it's know g- me and the pope have it's a gonna be in the men's room at right the Vatican. <laughs> like i'll call him and be like hey hey, where'd you end up putting the picture he's like yeah it's on the mantle it's great i really listen it's it, you, would you believe it's still getting framed it's at the framer vatican framers all backed up for yeah him. i wouldn't give it to him framed it would still just be like in the wall Green's envelope, but I would just <laughs> negatives as well, as well in case he wants to do <laughs> negatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah you and me together. Um, I took this on a disposable pope. Hope that's okay. So, um, so here's what the Queen gave the Pope, and it makes me love the Queen. And I bet the Pope was pumped about this. So, uh, she gave um, culinary delights from the royal estates. Which I'm like, oh, that's neat. So she basically gave him a basket of food, including. A dozen eggs. And nature box. And a nature box. So she gave him a dozen eggs, a bottle of whiskey. Wow. Which comes from the estates. So which means that somewhere in the Queen's estates there is whiskey being made. And now it she gave it to the Pope, which means in theory the Pope enjoyed some of the Queen's whiskey, which just makes me I pumped up. I think that's <laughs> rad. Um, so, and she gave him uh, like different kinds of honey and stuff like that. And uh, he, they said he was pretty excited about it. And they were going to go back and he was going to share the food with all the people that were, you know, like his posse. Uh, it's what he so they're going to just fry up some eggs and drink whiskey. The eggs one is what kills me because <laughs> I kept waiting for it to be like a Fabergé egg or a, no, it appears to be just 12 eggs. <laughs> just here's some well, eggs. He's a busy and, guy. He doesn't get to run down to the corner store very often to pick right. up his eggs. Right. And, uh, and we've got a refrigerator issue, which we're not even going to talk about. Because yeah, I was going to say, I hope they fried up some omelets within a few hours. Like ASAP. So that's what he gave her. So so then what I really love, I'm sorry, Shauna, you were going to say something? Oh, I just think it's hilarious that, uh, you know, he's in Italy, commonly known as like the best place to eat ever. Yes. And someone from England, commonly known as historically the worst place to yeah. eat ever. She brought him blood decides, pudding. Like, I need to bring some some classic English food to Italy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like, it's a great yeah, point. I, I, they don't I have enough sausage. I get the whiskey, sure, but beyond yeah. that, 
Yeah. Well, it's like I need to turn the tide on the perception of how bad our meals are here. We got to come up with a really great meal. I know hard liquor and eggs. <laughs> so I love in my mind this exchange because she gives him this food and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Thank you. Like these eggs are so great and they're from chickens in your backyard. And so thank you. Um, and then he's like, I, I got you something. And then, you know, you're kind of like, oh, cool. Uh, she he got her uh, he got her a gigantic sapphire for her grandson that was made of some deep blue semi precious stone topped with the silver cross of Saint Edward. So he's holding a dozen eggs and a bottle of whiskey, <laughs> and she's holding a like completely a priceless, priceless artifact from the Pope. And I just know that she's got to get back in the car with her handlers and just be like. Seriously, seriously, I thought there was a thirty dollars limit. Right? Did we not know the like the white elephant rules? Like he got me this stupid. I got this stupid bottle of alcohol for the Pope. I hate you guys. Now he has to send eggs. Who thought of eggs? Yeah, now he's terrible gift. He's gonna write a passive aggressive thank you note with my nice pen. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the Thanks eggs. Thanks for breakfast. Yeah. Thanks for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> but he's halfway into the bottle of whiskey after breakfast, so he writes yeah. a really kind of sloppy thing. Yeah, it just trails off and his elbow hurts. So <laughs> anyway, so I love I love that exchange and it made me happy. I uh, I'm curious to know yes, like I, I I like the idea of what you would get uh dignitaries. I've been thinking about it. I just like like I she hands know. him she hands him the, the eggs and he's he starts laughing, like, No, 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 seriously, what'd you get me? Oh, hey. Good one, Queen. This Where's the, the sword from the Tower of London? Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I've had joke. my eye on that thing for a decade. I like local things. I think if I was meeting with the president, more realistic, well, very unrealistically, but probably maybe a local, uh, maybe a local school board representative. If I was meeting with somebody <laughs> on my local school board, I would get them things like local, like a bribe. Local delicacies. <laughs> get your kid out of things you can only get in get in Florida, which I have no idea what. Those but if they're a part of the local school board, they they are privy to these things as well. I hear you, but also <laughs> I would like you to stop that. In what kind of school board meeting are you going where they exchange dignitary <laughs> gifts? <laughs> like, what school does your kid go to, man? Some sort of royal preparatory it's academy. Board, it's a boarding school in the Northeast. I just recently went to my son's parent teacher conference, and I was planning on bringing her. His his teacher some flowers but that day a uh, reader had sent me mm, possibly 25 pounds of cheese from a local creamery which was amazing and so i brought her seven or eight pounds of local cheese and i and she said it was a lovely gift wait you regifted? i did but i told her i said what am i going to do with 25 pounds of cheese that just arrived on dry ice and i loved i mean i i, I gave it to everyone i gave it to my neighbors i gave it to my parents my cooking club I served it like three nights in a row. Yeah. Did your husband come home and saw that uh, seven pounds was missing? He was like, hey, who moved my cheese? <laughs> oh, hey, oh. See, yeah. if this was Letterman, he'd be bringing that back the entire rest you of the Eddie, Hey, Eddie, just, Eddie, yeah. who moved my cheese? Hey, I, you feel a little shame, right? Like, just tell me you feel that feeling. <laughs> Just like, ugh. It's like halfway out of your mouth and you wanted to tap I out. Knew, I, could, I, I knew I before I even said it, it was going to get gross. It was the but. most interest Jesse's ever taken in anything I've said. I was like, what? What question, Jesse? Uh, oh. Hold on, Shauna. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, anyhow, who moved my cheese? hi Jesse Carey. Shauna, you really teed that one up for me, and I appreciate it. <laughs> You're yeah. welcome. Anytime we mention cheese, Jesse stops the show. Finally, says, reading all those business books made off. <laughs> <laughs> those books. Boring business books. <laughs> Finally got a punchline out of one. Get a good, a great joke coming up later. Uh, <laughs> all right. Oh, that'll do it for Sizes. Stay tuned. Up next, Don Miller talks to Bob Goff. Surfing the channel just in 
Today's podcast are brought to you by Asbury Theological Seminary. Are you called to plan a church? Well, prepare to serve with new church planning degrees at Asbury Theological Seminary. For more information, you can go to asburyseminary.edu. You're listening to Swim Good. The uh, song is uh, Summer Solstice. Uh, Swim Good. The is the group that we play nonstop during our beach baptisms. Hi-o! <laughs> Except we actually call it Swim Well because we know English. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm out. Uh, their new EP is now streaming on the drop at relevantmagazine.com. Dang it! You, you need go. to put that nope. first on the list. I just like so watching you guys dig out of that hole. Oh. <laughs> it's, a, it's good. I actually have listened to this it's album. Good, it's man. really it good. It features S. Carey of uh, Bon Iver yeah. is on it. And it's a real, it's a it's a short EP, but it's really good. Music. They're actually sitting in the lobby right now, <laughs> yeah. uh, listening to the show. Well, they're getting ready to go to beach, ba- beach baptism rehearsal uh, with us. Right. So. We don't rehearse the baptism. <laughs> we just do it. <laughs> you just show up and dunk people and hope nobody dies and I'm that they alligator. swim good. <laughs> All right. We talked about this at the beginning of the show. The current issue of Relevant has a fairly compelling conversation between Don Miller and Bob Goff about how do you how do you live this life of whimsy and margin and love and fun if you have to go to work tomorrow and you have to pick the kids up from school or you don't have any money and you can't how do you do this? Um, it's a tension. It's a palpable tension that a lot of us feel and a lot of our readers feel. Uh, it's a fascinating piece in the magazine. Uh, definitely go check it out. Well, it's one of the pieces that we're talking about around the office, and we thought we need to, we need to actually bring that conversation to the podcast or part of it. Um, it's it's fascinating and uh, well worth your time. So uh, here is Don Miller talking to one of my heroes, Bob Goff. Tell me about your life. What did you do? What were your ambitions? Uh, let's go 20 years before you wrote Love Does. What were you wanting to accomplish in your life before Love Does? Yeah, so 20 years before, I'm a partner at a law firm in downtown San Diego, and uh, we're trying uh, construction cases. And uh, the thing about San Diego is that instead of building two houses on each hilltop and uh, and what they do is they cut both of the hilltops off, fill in the middle, the canyon, like 400 <laughs> feet full of clay that's moving, yeah. and build a thousand homes. So we, uh, I just did that for years. It was like, just, uh, it wasn't like I picked construction law because Jesus is a carpenter and yeah. all that. I just did it because it was really interesting to me. And so I did that for a whole bunch of years. And then within a couple years of, of that, uh, I remember the kids were then getting to the size. They were bigger than trout, and <laughs> they could walk and talk, and I actually wanted to hang out with them. We were just in, like, keep them alive mode. And, uh, and what we did is I decided, I remember with Maria, that we would start spending three months together every single summer. Um, and uh, everybody at work, when I announced this to the partners I worked with, they looked at me like I was nuts. 
And uh, they said, you know, they explained that the sabbatical program they have, yeah, every you know, fifteen years, you get nine minutes off. So I didn't, I didn't argue with them. On Monday, I just wasn't there. I left. You're kidding. You didn't even give them notice. You just, you told them, and then they said that's crazy, and then you just did it anyway. Then I left, and well, because the the idea would be, you know, if you if you needed dialysis on Wednesdays, you'd go get it. You wouldn't like have somebody tell you you need to do this and. So when I got back, these guys were fuming, but I was a partner. They couldn't fire me. So uh, the next can we, year, Okay, can we just stop there? Because this is a trait that I've seen in you uh, over the years, and it's been quite comical and quite fun to watch. It's that you really – you have an enormous respect for authority. You're enormously respectful of other people. There's nothing about you that seems cynical. And yet when you want to do something that is unconventional, you really don't care – what anybody thinks about that. And it's a sort of fearlessness. Where did that come from? Maybe it's the, um, I'm not very good at consensus building. I, I don't, I find that's exhausting. Um, like just trying so to get I everybody think, to agree? Yeah, I think everybody ought to do whatever they want. I mean, obviously <laughs> with some <laughs> parameters, but um, I'd rather uh, go do some things and then take responsibility for those things that I do but get things done rather than saying to everybody, well, like, how do you feel about that constantly? Right. So, and there's obviously a backside to every wave. So if you take that to its logical extension, you'd have a bunch of people who uh, are actually divisive in the way that they're doing things. But I think do, it, it, it seems it, like you do a great job of mitigating the damage of that. You sort of do what you want, but then you're not a jerk about it. You're, you try to be extremely respectful. Is that intentional to try to mitigate the damage or is it just part of your personality? Yeah, I don't know that I'm thinking about it consciously, but uh, I don't want somebody to have to take up the slack because I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm totally uh, fine in accepting the consequences. Right. One of the consequences I wasn't going to accept is that I would have a, a job uh, and backfill my whole life behind it. Instead, what I wanted to do is pick my life and then backfill my career. Gotcha. And so that was a huge turning point for me, deciding, like, pick your life, backfill your career. Wow. And if you do that, you'll lose a couple really good jobs. <laughs> After a couple of years, I quit as a partner, and there's a, a tremendous uh, movement of wealth when you do that away from you. <laughs> yeah. But I started my own law firm. And, did, that, you know, did that freak you out when you made a decision to not choose security financial security, did that freak you out for a season or did you just know there's plenty of money out there, I'll go get it some other way or did you say, I don't really care about the money, I can either be poor or wealthy and I'm going to be fine either way? Was it? Wh wh where were you in that spectrum? You know what we have at our house, you'll probably end up doing this with bets at yours, but anybody in our home can uh, call a family meeting, like if there's some big issue between you know, one of the kids and the other one. Uh, they can call a family meeting. We sit down in the living room and talk about it and sort it out. And so I was the one that called the family meeting. And I, the kids were, I could hear them whispering upstairs, like, well, like, who did something? You know, why are we having this meeting? And so I got them all there and I said, you know, this big high-rise dad's been working at. And, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go uh, start my own uh, thing. And they looking at each other, they're like, but you called a family meeting for this? <laughs> I mean, are we hanging out? Are we going to have peanut butter? It's all good. 
Yeah. And so it was like the shortest family meeting we've ever had. They said, like, good on you. You know, seven-year-old version of that. Right, right, right. Like, okay, Dad, great. That was really refreshing for me because I felt like I had the weight of the world, and I really realized I had the attention of my family. And right. so 22 years later um, of spending every single summer for three months together, some really magnificent things have happened. Hmm. So to, to your point, it's just uh, deciding what you're going to do. Uh, but having it isn't like you just throw a dart against the wall. You say, what would be uh, not just good for me, but good for everybody around me? And right. I think that's one of the things that people sometimes get off track on because they ask this question like, how's that working for you? And I think the real question might be, how's it working for everyone around you? Because right. if, it if it isn't working for them, it ain't working for you, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this idea of uh, being together as a family um, – has shaped, you know, the next, that 20-year period you're talking about now, uh, where we're going to be, to borrow one of your favorite words, with each other. Yeah. And one of the byproducts of that that I was kind of surprised to find is that uh, now we have endless things to talk about. Now, some families, they get to, you know, the kids graduate and go to college, and, but we still have just endless things to talk about because we're like, remember that time right. when we got the spear gun and <laughs> accidentally, like whatever follows that is usually awesome. <laughs> yeah. Have you always been a guy who sort of follows your heart or, or the direction that looks like love uh, over the direction that looks like security and responsibility and duty? What, what is the, how do those fit into your, your dynamics? I think I'm the that word whimsy that you and I've used so often is uh, has been a very large part of it. To say, um, what is it that would be so magical? It's almost like that thing that you couldn't define, but you know that it's out there. If you just went for it, then the the really terrific, inexplicable things just might happen. So it's like living a life in constant anticipation. Hmm. I think that is would be one thing I would offer as an observation. Uh, I would say one of the hallmarks of our family has been, um, and I see it in Sweet Maria, I see it in the kids, like living in constant anticipation of what might happen. Yeah. Like if this occurred, oh my gosh, what do you think might happen? So we don't try to uh, plot the trajectory in advance of each of those alternate endings. Right. We just know all of them will be... Good. Yeah. Whichever firework goes off is going to be pretty beautiful, it sounds like. Bingo. Yeah, and it's not like, to that point, like it's not like testing the Lord. If you've uh, 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 followed in San Diego here, we were going to have a big fireworks display. It was supposed to go for four hours, and they had that music cued to all the radio stations on 4th of July, and they put seven barges everywhere in San Diego Bay, and they were going to synchronize this for four hours, and Right before the show was supposed to start, 300,000 people were down on the bayfront, and the guy sent a message to one of the barge, and the message was supposed to say, are we ready? <laughs> but the message he sent was light them all up. And in one moment, everything exploded. The whole It was like downtown Baghdad. The whole thing went off. That was you it. are the kidding. Whole, yeah, like four hours of fireworks went up, in I don't know 15 seconds it was just these there was just it was like they got hit by rockets it was just all over and so this idea of doing things isn't like <laughs> testing the Lord like if we get in this 
really sticky situation, then, you know, maybe God will bail us out. But instead, it's a strategic whimsy. It's saying, you know what, I bet if we were to do that, I bet some people would really benefit. And I think we're among them. Yeah. So do you fear uh, failure? You know what, I think I fear being misunderstood more than I fear failing. What does that mean? Uh, like when you, th- like, give me an example of what being misunderstood as Bob Goff means. Yeah, so uh, this Young Life camp where uh, we have this place, uh, I bought this property and deed restricted it so nobody could ever cut down all the trees forever. And uh, and I was uh, out there, we were trying to figure out where we were going to build this lodge to get into all the mischief you and I have gotten into since then. And, uh, and I was walking down this path towards where the where we were going to build the lodge, and there was someone there at the camp and uh, visiting. And they said, yeah, this rich lawyer bought all this stuff. What do you think of that? Oh, you were standing right there? <laughs> yeah, I'm the rich lawyer. They're talking to They're talking about That me. is awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it just felt super awkward. It felt like, yeah. you know, I didn't want to explain, like, you know, I bought it to preserve it. I just, you know, made a deed that essentially made all this land worthless because I just said none of the cedar trees can ever get cut down. Um, but I'm not trying to justify myself or validate myself to this person, but that feeling of being misunderstood, if you mm-hmm. had something really swell in mind and, and somebody thought you had a different intention that wasn't honorable. Or yeah. Whatever. And hopefully it doesn't happen often because it's such a horrible feeling like Pavlov's dog. I'm just like, even talking about it makes me a little twitchy. Uh, but failing, I mean, that's just Tuesday for me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a, and you And you have no problem with that. You don't sense like... You and God, you didn't hear God correctly, or uh, you you had bad motives. You're not second guessing your sin nature when you fail. It just it's just part of life. No, yeah, I'm not saying, hey, God, what's the deal with that? And because I don't hear His voice audibly, um, I just it's uh, I I make my I, I do my best to understand what Scripture says. I do my best to apply that to the extent I have the faith to do that, and. That's oftentimes lacking, but I just, um, if something doesn't turn out the way I wanted to, I don't feel like God did a switcheroo on me. Uh, we did a raid in India in a brothel and, uh, one of the little girls got released back to her parents and it was actually by the judge. And the, well, the problem is that the parents were the one that sold her in in the first place. Right. So when we went back to get her, uh, we got mobbed. I mean, a mob of 17 of these bad guys had been arrested the night before. And so they uh, mob formed around the car and we actually got stoned. Mm. Um, and so as we're on the way to the hospital and then off to jail in India, I wasn't thinking like, what's the deal, God? I just felt, I felt a little confused and a, and, and a little concerned about how it would go. Cause I had all these other alternate endings, but it didn't feel like, um, even though it felt like a failure at the time, um, it didn't feel like it. That intersects my faith. It just more parallels my faith. You know, yeah. it isn't like a diversion from of courses. It's right. just a parallel. I think you have faith and success and failure, and uh, you've been so great at articulating how we're just not defined by any of those. Yeah. And I think I've probably learned that from you along the way. <laughs> I doubt. That. I think you knew that before we met. <laughs> um, okay, so on to uh, this book. Love does. Uh, I remember 
uh, reading initial chapters of it and I thought, oh my goodness, we have, having been in publishing for a long time, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll just be really honest. I thought we have a gold mine here. <laughs> this is this is this is fantastic, uh, and uh, you kept turning in good stuff. And uh, uh, the rest is history. I mean, you've been on the New York Times. I don't know how how many weeks, but it's all fantastic. I want to know um, how has life changed for you, because those of us who know you, Bob, saw don't see a big difference between Bob Goff before Love Does and Bob Goff after Love Does. It's just that more people are in on the secret, right? So I want to know how being you, I mean, how has that changed your life, that more people are in on what, you know, some of us knew before, that you're a pretty dynamic and interesting guy. It does feel like a caper like that. It does feel like we're all in on it together. So that probably distinguishes it from a lot of other experiences people have. So when people come to the door and knock, <laughs> they have that I'm doing a caper look in their eye. And so even if it's completely inappropriate, I'm just saying, oh my gosh, this is so, like, God bless you, in your bedtime. <laughs> so people that uh, have, this has resonated with, it felt like uh, more of an extension of the family. Right. And the family has, you know, people that are very, they come in every different flavor, which is the beautiful idea of the body of Christ. So, uh, in answer to your question, I've met a whole lot of people, and these telephone calls have been just terrific. Yeah. Having your phone number in the back of quite a few books uh, has been great, because I spend very, uh, a large part of each day on the phone, which I don't know if that would appeal to you, but... Um, just spending a few moments with somebody on the phone, but you know, by the time you say hello, you just answered every question they have because they're yeah. just wondering if it's yeah, true. There's one if they're gonna, if you're going to actually if you're actually accessible. Yeah. So, like even uh, tonight before we spoke, some bunch of kids from Illinois like called, and uh, and so they called. And you could hear a bunch of giggling in the back, but there's something beautiful I think we can contribute, and each in their own way. So one of the things I can contribute is availability because. Um, I've got it, and uh, I'm not. Uh, I, I'm just delighted by yeah. visiting with people. But that might not be for everybody. Well, let me ask you this: um, a lot of people would read this book, and they would say, "Well, you know, if I had diplomatic credentials, and if I had lots of money, and if I were a good writer, and if I were retired, then I could live these incredible stories." Also, and I'm I'm curious as to how you answer. I'm certain you get those questions. Those those doubts. I'm curious as to how you respond. Yeah, I don't think it's driven by net worth. I think it's driven by passion. I think it has to do with your passion for life. Um, and everybody demonstrates their passion for life in different ways. You know, some are very animated and some are very calm about it. And Oh, take sweet Maria and I. Like, you know, she, as you know, is just angelic and calm and mm -hmm. like uh, probably a little shy, and I'm the whole airborne division. I'm a plane and every paratrooper in it. And so, and so while we approach... That, that's probably why we get along so well, is because I'm, I'm wired more like Sweet Maria. Yes, that's right, and I can be sponsored by Red Bull. So uh, I, I think one of the things that comes to mind is that it's not driven by uh, money. And that's sometimes a head thing because you think, well, if I had a bunch of money, because when I started doing this, the first trips to India, 
you know, we didn't have a, I don't even think we had a house at the time because we couldn't afford it. We were living in an apartment and all that. And so it isn't one of those, like, you know, I walked to school uphill in both directions, but, um, but certainly it wasn't driven by money. It was driven by passion. Yeah. And so you, you take think, some of the, do you think honestly that your passion for life and you're probably more passionate about life and you have a more optimistic, positive view of life than any other human being I've ever met. Do you think that contributed to your success in the first place? Do you think if more people sort of saw life the way you see life, that they, not that they would be rich or anything, but that they might have uh, more social contacts, uh, more opportunities given to them, more doors opening, if they sort of, I remember Steve Jobs created this kind of principle and he, and he, he filtered it down through the retail section of Apple and it was this. He wanted all of his employees to assume positive intent. That is when somebody walked into their store with a complaint, he wanted all of his employees to assume that the person complaining actually had a really good heart and wanted to accomplish something good and didn't really mean anything bad even if they were in a grumpy mood. I see that to the fullest extent in you. And I'm wondering, do you believe if that characteristic were transferred to another person, they would probably have more success? I believe you're true. I, I think that's right. Because you want to be, um, sometimes this idea of joy walks away. And it's not a saccharine, artificial, Pollyanna, kind of everything's great. I mean, like I deal with serious issues. I try $100 million cases, right? And so there's a serious side to me as well. But it doesn't stamp out the joy. As a matter of fact, I think you're a better advocate for yourself and others uh, with some joy in your back pocket, <laughs> thinking about what might be possible and, yeah. uh, instead of walking around with kind of a dour look. And and, and then to be like very uh, free in your forgiveness. I mean, I'll tell you one of the things that I do, um, I, got, I get these little metal cans and I write notes to people and I bury them. I've got a little GPS that like I just geocache forgiveness. <laughs> so if somebody screws up, I'm not going to give them a teachable moment. I'll give them latitude and longitude. And then there'll be a note in there from me. Like, and it'll have a date and everything. And so when they screw up, whether it's my kids or yours or whoever, right? What if we just give them like, you know, it's a third rock from the left. I have a message in there for you. I forgave you for that 15 minutes before, 15 years before you were even born. Right. Wouldn't that be kind of neat? doesn't cost a penny, but I would say that's an example of living a life of anticipation. Yeah. I remember when our, our first child was born, um, taking a video of this little foot and saying, you know what, someday this little foot's going to step on the accelerator of my car and run into a tree and yeah. wreck my car. And I just want you to know, I'm talking to you and your foot right now, that you're forgiven. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great to just thinking in advance. And so that's very much the vibe where we work, uh, both here in San Diego and in Seattle with the lawyers, with the nonprofits. It's a, a, a vibe of forgiveness and we're in this together and a lot of joy. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, two more questions. One is, one is difficult, one is easy. Or I don't know, you may think they're both easy. Uh, I'm going to ask one question and I'm going to ask the inverse question. What is the downside of being Bob Goff. What is the downside of being Bob Goff? Well, you have to wake up and be me every day. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Does that mean there are expectations? You sense expectations upon you? 
Let's see. It isn't expectations. It's just that, oh, I'll give you an example. Like if I'm having an off day or I'm kind of sad about something, yeah. like I won't answer my phone. And you know why? You just because don't want to put that vibe out into the world? No, I just don't want to disappoint the person they call. Wow. I don't want to come across as short or grumpier because this is the 50th call for me. It's the first call for them. Mm. And so uh, the, it isn't that I've got a persona that I'm trying to maintain. I just don't want to bum somebody out uh, because I'm trying to sort through something. So do, but do you, put the, do you put the more hard aspects of your life kind of in your back pocket and – is that what you're saying, or are you, or you just don't want? Oh, you know what? I uh, am not a verbal processor uh, in terms of my own stuff. Like I, if yeah. I'm uh, uh, concerned about something or disturbed about it, uh, I won't find four people to talk about why I'm concerned or disturbed about that. It might take me some good to do that, but that's just not my vibe. I think what would happen if I did that. Um, is that they, because they love me, they would loop back three days from now and say, no, so how's that going? And they would really mean it. Well, I've already moved on. <laughs> I, I moved on 15 minutes after we talked about Bob, it. Bob, I've known you for 10 years, and I understand you 100% more right now. That's awesome. I get it, yeah. yeah. No, I completely get it. So if I were writing a marriage book, it would probably be entitled, like, Don't Talk About Stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, it works for you guys. Okay. But you know what? Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it's, I don't want to stop. I was just going to say, find, again, I'm back to, how's it working for everybody around you? Right. So uh, I found a style of communication with the people that are closest with me that seems to work for them and it seems to work for me. And if you're always chafing and there's sparks and concrete and all that and, uh, kind of crashing metal bending sounds, like I would say it's probably not working for you. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Bob, and this is a side note. Even in my relationship with Betsy, there are times I'm walking through the door and I want to verbally process something that I know probably an hour from now, from now I'm not going to care about. And because I know you, I make more and more decisions to say, you know, let me let that pass for 24 hours and see if I want to bring that kind of worry or negativity into her life. And I would say 50% of the time, it's, I don't. And it's, it's, fa it's, it's interesting. And I, and I would say Betsy has very much benefited from that. Uh, and it's never like, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. I mean, we talk about those things. But it's stuff like, you know, something happened at work or this person really offended me. And I'm like, you know, I probably won't care 24 hours from now. So why bring up negativity with her? And I learned that from you. I'm very grateful for that. One of the things you kind of end up speaking it into existence. That's there true. It can be an That's overall amazing. feeling that uh, I'm uh, confused or, or sad or whatever. The, sometimes by putting a lot of language to it, you give it shelf life that it didn't need to ever have. Yeah, um, That's absolutely true. Okay, final question. You're in your late 50s or mid-50s, right? Yeah, 55 next month. Oh, man. We're, we need to celebrate that. Mid-50s. Um, you've had an incredible life, an incredible career. You've got an incredible book out. You've still got 30-plus years of very productive activity ahead of you. What is Bob Goff grateful for today? Hmm. First one, I think uh, almost like the, uh, you know when you see an old tree and it's got all those concentric rings that go out? 
So the first ring, I would say that God's given me this terrific family, not just a friendship with him, but then also this terrific family. So I think of Sweet Maria, Lindsay Richard, Adam, Rat Dog, he's on the bubble, but you know, <laughs> I like them a lot. Yeah. And then, uh, then I would say the second ring would be this uh, small group of friends, and you're one of them. You're yeah. one of my best friends. And I go like, which is so funny because like some people see their best friends all the time, constantly, but I just know you love me, and I love you back, and so we have one of those, almost like you don't have to talk about it, you just know you are, right? Yeah. So I would say a small group of friends in that, and then the next rings that go out are probably some of the stuff that's happening in Uganda, and it's through the efforts of these terrific volunteers that are over there, and, you know, much like the mentoring project, you know, you get a, an idea along with some other people, and then uh, someone else makes it all happen. So yeah. I would say the, the very much seeing the things that are happening uh, in some of these places. It sounds like uh, the three categories are your family, your friends, and then the work that God has uh, allowed you to take part in around the world. Yes. That's yes, beautiful. very much. And it's been a lot of uh, that idea. Of, I feel like I got a couple more rodeos left in me. Yeah. And so even uh, in March, we'll be doing some stuff in another country that uh, I just got so part of. Oh, that would be exhibit A. Like I haven't talked to people about it. Just we'll just go and see how it turns out. And <laughs> the way it's going to turn out isn't going to be with you know me with a bunch of duct tape around my wrists. It's going to be a really terrific thing. We'll see some evidence of Jesus. Yeah, uh, we just will. So it'll, that is probably coming full circle to that sense of anticipation. Like yeah. what could happen? Yeah. was Donald Miller and Bob Goff. Make sure to check out the March-April issue of Relevant uh, for the article, What About Bob? It's available on newsstands nationwide at our website and at the uh, iTunes newsstand. You're listening to St. Vincent. The song is Rattlesnake from her new album, St. Vincent. She's a... Uh, it's a good album. It's a good it's album. It's a great album. I it, love it. It's, it, I, it's creative. I like it. It's very interesting. I like it, but the, the first two songs have kind of some illicit moments, which kind of caught me off guard because that hasn't been her MO up to this point. True. And uh, just thinking it'd be like a worship album. And <laughs> thought nope. I was listening to Carrie Job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. All right. <laughs> well, it's uh, time for our very special segment, John Acuff. Our correspondent, live from the internet. He's on the Skype line from somewhere in the internet. Welcome to the show, John Acuff. Good to, good to be here. I'm reporting live from LinkedIn, which is like Facebook, only people have pleated pants on. Oh. <laughs> I never stop what bugging t- you about being out. What time is it there on the internet, John? There are way more braided belts on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, on uh, LinkedIn than there are on uh, Facebook. What time is it? It's internet time. <laughs> well, I, I do have an exciting uh, story to, to file, one that probably slipped most people's radars. Um, <laughs> most people, they don't follow this type of news. And the story is about Lady Gaga, 
Um, and her performance at South by Southwest, which prompted several media sources to chronicle the downfall of Lady Gaga. <laughs> so, you know, it's going to be a good one. I mean, that's a fast, <laughs> that's a fast rise and fall right there. And I, I once about a year ago, I theorized that with pop culture, you have to shock people. You have to continually out shock them and that she was in trouble because she kept raising the bar, you know, and by bar, I mean, Mitras. And she just kept pushing things. And I thought she's either going to have to do a hard left turn and go acoustic. Like this is me with no makeup, just me and the music, the way I always intended it. Right. Or do something completely different. So it looks like she zigged when I said zag. Like the only way you can go from the meat dress is like being like cooked in the meat dress, like a stunt or something, which I would love to see. <laughs> she's she. I feel like she's dead in that stunt, Jesse. Um, you'd be a terrible event planner. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Lady Gaga, I got good news and bad news. We up the stakes. <laughs> the bad news is you're going to be cooked like a steak. <laughs> like a steak yeah. So here, I'm just going to read a single paragraph, and we can make comments as we go. But this is an actual story that appeared on the Huffington Post, which as you know is part of the internet gaga's set began when an attractive woman um with an attractive woman eating barbecued sausages on stage now i think it's important to note if you're gonna do this you want the woman to be attractive um a lot of musicians make that mistake right out of the gate they get somebody ugly to eat the sausages mistake number one <laughs> second paragraph soon after completing the smoked meats portion of her hour-long show and i like that there was a smoked meats portion because when I go to see a band, I wonder when that's going to happen. Like, interesting. Yeah, it's good to get that out of the way the first. Right, hour. we have the intimate acoustic set, and we have the part where they walk out into the audience, but when's the smoked meat part of it? And I, like, was that printed in the program at South by Southwest? I'm sure paper is not cool, but was that somewhere on an iPad? It said, you know, yeah. Lady Gaga slash smoked meats portion. It was QR coded. I think I don't Fantastic. fully understand that. She said uh, Gaga invited friend Millie Brown on stage to assist on a song called Swine, which again I get it. It's a little heavy-handed. You're eating pork, and here's a song called Swine. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Brown, a vomit painter. That was in quotes, as if that's a thing. Oh um, I'm oh not sure God if you knew almighty. that, but apparently my two-year-old was a, a was an artist. Not a two-year-old throwing up on me. <laughs> not, not a two-year-old with a stomach flu. No, no, no. I should have kept all those things that she threw up on as art. I could have just hung up my shirt and her onesie around the house for the gallery of vomit painting. <laughs> it says she then proceeded to drink a full bottle of neon green liquid, um, which prompts me to like, do you get that at Michael's? Like, can you go into like Hobby a Joanne's Lobby, fabric? Yeah. And Hobby, Hobby, Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby yeah. near the birdhouses. Right next oh. to it. I, if, if you ask Hobby Lobby for that and say what it's for, I don't I don't know that that's going to go well for either of you. <laughs> she proceeded to drink a full bottle of neon green liquid before forcing herself to throw up on the singer as she played drums. Wow. Oh, my goodness. So that was the uh, – I where Link do you put that in the show? Is the well, closer? Well, at least, wow. it's, at least it was after the cured meat thing. <laughs> no, but I think that was part of it. I think that was like the – you know, like you take two things that come together and form a third flavor at a fancy restaurant. I feel like the the barbecue <laughs> sausage is part of that. It's just kind of an aperitif. That's really nice. Yeah. Wow. And I just wonder, is that at the, do you open with that? Do you close with that? Do at any point anybody in your immediate circle goes, I saw in here uh, Millie Brown, the vomit painters on the rider. Yeah. Is that? I think I think it's like a, your last song, and it's a guarantee that you don't have to do an encore. Everybody's just like, be be, be quiet. You don't want <laughs> to come back her. out. Don't look don't at her. Don't say just a freaking leave. word. 
Just and let's walk. not let's not go past the fact that she was playing drums. Do you think the, initially the original drummer was going to get thrown up on? She was like, <laughs> "I could do it if you want, if you don't want to." And he's like, "No, you take it, Gaga. You have this one. Go ahead. I'll sit out the show. Yeah, I'll teach you a basic four four beat and just hop up there and do this. You'll you can get vomited on. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be in the audience, not thing. getting puked on by an artist. And you know what? You should probably use your own drums uh, because <laughs> yeah. I have a great pearl set that was from my grandfather, and uh, I don't want to get vomited re- all over. And how got- do you? At what moment do you realize you are a vomit painter? Do you find that, or much like a falcon, does it find you? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's like you get you get food poisoning at Applebee's, and you go home and you're like, you know what? That looks like a duck. I'm a- <laughs> 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 what? It's like a gross version of looking at clouds. Yeah. you're like, I see a rabbit. I like it. I could I could throw up on Lady Gaga. So let me make a few calls. <laughs> <laughs> who, who makes that call? Like, did Millie Brown, the vomit painter, call her camp? Right. Did Lady Gaga's camp call. Like, who books a vomit painter? Right. And how do they, how do they spin that PR for? Her? They're like, hey, I know you're really into like, you know. Earth things and uh, any, right. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. like earth wow. things. I know you like earth stuff. You yeah. know that stuff about the earth. Just real natural. We've got somebody <laughs> on our team that's gonna just push the envelope, and I I think just add a lot to what it seems like you're trying to do. <laughs> just make people sick. Uh, if I'm not reading this situation wrong, which I don't think I am, you're asking me to provide you with a vomit painter. Is yeah. that correct? <laughs> it's, that's the trajectory of kind of your thing right now, right? Just repeat back the sentences you just said to me because crazy town you tell me if i'm wrong yeah yeah i could have sworn you said vomit painter you couldn't have said vomit painter because that's disgusting but i thought you said vomit painter but what other like comet painter you want her to paint a comet you need a mural like or what if you were you came there to paint a mural of a comet during the show like they do at christian events where like the guy paints jesus and you showed up and they're like you ready to throw up on lady gaga and you're like yeah yeah totally right is you, it know, still you know i think there's bucks? a typo okay, well, miscommunication and, but, and i'd uh, like to know what the vomit painter's writer looks like they're like uh okay here's what we need in the green room for uh for steve the vomit painter we gotta have a ton of old raw eggs like we need some milk that's been sitting out for two days yeah old milk (laughs) (laughs) it's a mouthwash for after the show let's just make it grosser is like because i'm an i'm an author and it's all about you gotta have merch does the vomit painter have merch (laughs) i think it's mostly just jules old poetry uh book Oh, oh God. Are we are we not allowed to rip on Jules' poetry book on the podcast? Who's <laughs> yeah. not the twenty year statute of limitations up on that? Never took that really personal. <laughs> God, sorry, Jewel. She's an artist. She, you know, she lived in a van. I didn't know if you knew that. Um, people used to say that. I do wonder what the merch looks like because you can't really quite do like a, a copy of it, or do you just take? Then it's a shirt that says, "I went and saw Millie Brown, and all I got." All that happened was I got thrown up on. And yeah. it's a shirt that looks like you got thrown up or on. Or it's just yeah. a bunch of rotten eggs so you can go make your own t-shirt. Yeah, well, yeah. Like a home kit, like when magicians sell you <laughs> stuff at the That's show. That. I mean, illusionist. Yeah. <laughs> or like somebody hold my hair or something like that. Well, it's scrunchies. She sells scrunchies. <laughs> right. <laughs> scrunchies. I haven't this heard that word in 25 Brown scrunchie. <laughs> 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 See, I knew there was a, I knew there was a fascinating, I know. and I'd like to say helpful story because a lot of what I work on is helping people chase their dreams. And so maybe <laughs> right now there's a young thrower upper who's thinking, you know what? I do, I do have a future. Everybody, everybody hates on my dream, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get decimated on Twitter this week about Jewel. There's she is there. a very nice person. Yeah, that, come on, Eddie. I'm sure she is, is, but it doesn't make her a poet. I'm a nice person, but I wouldn't write poetry. 
Oh, man. Wow. God, I really got an wow. edge about me with this poetry jewel thing. I, that was, <laughs> I bet you don't like Kevin Max's poetry you, either. Like, what was the bad experience I don't know. with you in the jewel poetry? Something, something repressed he, he me. He tried to read one to a girl in high school, and she rebuffed him. <laughs> and he blamed me. He's like, that, that is terrible poetry. She threw up on him. He blames it on the poetry book. Hey, Chris, that girl's name is Millie Brown, and now yeah. you know the rest of the story. Hey, hey Kristen, I wanted to read you this. Um, my hands are small like yours, but they're not yours they are my own uh and then she's just like Ugh. i'm like in the end only kindness matters it doesn't matter millie millie come I back thought my, i thought we had something away. don't thought, turn your back to me i thought we had something i live yeah, in the van heart was broken I but hate dream you, was <laughs> didn't you enjoy the barbecued sausages we had for dinner <laughs> i'm gonna go I, I spent all afternoon smoking that meat I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home and paint a picture of me in my own throw up crying or something i didn't even think it was weird when you swallowed green liquid oh. <laughs> why couldn't we be together man we really got to some deep personal stuff these foolish games that we play they're tearing me apart you're breaking my heart eddie i really feel like you were meant for this oh you were meant for me i was meant for you yeah nice well, guys, it has been a, a pleasure, as always. Yep. I look forward to uh, another seven minutes, um, as long as Chad is in the studio. <laughs> um, I yeah. waited patiently by the Skype. I know. I'm I waited so by so the Skype, which is like like modern loserdom. Oh, um, I'm so and sorry. And I was like, oh, where's the little phone that'll pop up with the green and say who's relevant? And it <sighs> didn't happen. And I, I was didn't like, oh, know I, what button to push. I was blamed so Shauna. I was like, once again, this is Shauna's <laughs> plot. <laughs> in case you failed to notice, you should write her an email. In case it. you failed to see, here's my heart bleeding before you. I'm down on my knees. Okay, these foolish <laughs> hey, games. Like, are you googling right now? Be <laughs> nope. honest. Guys, I know every please freaking. Please tell me you know lyrics to Jewel song. Oh, oh yeah. I know a ton of them. And I could, if we had a piano in this room right now, I would be uh, slaying you with my weirdness. I could. I'm I could. Glad you're quoting them, not reading them from your forearm like this is a flowery script that too you were reading all uh, right all right that'll do it for live from the internet uh thank you to our uh internet correspondent john acuff uh, thanks guys see you man see ya see you man see ya. stay guys, tuned later. up next feedback feel the way to the war on drugs very violent uh, the song is an ocean between the waves this this album is fantastic for one, real. Of, my, one of my favorites of the year so far for real it's it's it, it, people like will tweet us sometimes like hey what should i be listening to i like you know all j whatever um uh the war on drugs if you if you want a good new album go get the war on drugs it, it's um Amer it's american indie music americana indie music there he's the, my only complaint about the album is there's like three or four songs where you can hear his influence. He loves Dylan. 
and he loves Tom Petty, and he loves Bruce Springsteen. And there's three or four songs where that's maybe a little too clear, you know, that he was inspired by that music. But then the rest of the album is kind of more original in him, and it's really great. And if you want some just good music, uh, the War on Drugs, folks, there you go. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we asked you what item you would bring to help your mind survive if you were marooned on an island for three weeks. So we're going to give you the basic like survival things you need for your body to survive, but you're going to be bored out of your mind. So what one item would you bring to help your mind survive for three weeks? So you went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, and you posted on our Facebook page. Here's a few of our favorites. I, I love what Gilbert, his suggestion uh, was that uh, he's assuming that Bear Grylls is already on the island. <laughs> guess, I guess because Bear Grylls just happens to, you know, frequent places like that. So Gilbert would bring a tranquilizer, a tranquilizer gun and turn it into the most dangerous game. Him versus Bear Grylls. <laughs> there you go. I like uh, I like Charles Gibson emphatically said, nail clippers, I need nail clippers to keep my mind sane. I <laughs> that was amazing. I was going to say, that sounds like an how, insane person. How right often there. do you clip your fingernails? How often? Like, I don't know. I mean, if it's, you're there for three weeks, I would clip them once in those three weeks. And I would think long nails would be an asset in that situation. That's true. I yeah, think you got to shimmy right. up trees. You need to have some claws. Yeah. He did not think this through. <laughs> Sean Flanagan said he would bring an old country buffet with me to the island. He may get sick of the food uh, quality, but he doesn't explain this. He said, but it would help pass the time. Just like wandering around the buffet. I, I guess that would sure. pass some time. Travis said, uh, I would uh, I would bring a bag of sharpened lollipops so I could perfect my deadly dart skills. There you go. <laughs> comparison go. to our own nice. Shauna. Nice. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Uh, Braxton said uh, he's bringing with, uh, with him uh, Adam Smith's Rambo of the Month scripts and reenacting <laughs> them with coconuts dressed as bad guys. <laughs> Island justice, he said. <laughs> Jason said he would bring the haunted patent leather shoe that's up in Eddie's attic. Hashtag YOLO. <laughs> Sean, have you heard about this? I have not. Okay, real quick. I We had just moved into our house. I climbed up a ladder into our attic for the first time. I looked to my left, and there is a single white child's patent leather shoe. <gasps> and oh, that's terrifying. That's how I knew it was haunted. Yep, Absolutely. <laughs> Do you uh, have a name for that child? Like whenever you hear about uh, like a weird noise, are you like, "Oh, that's Samantha"? Oh, I do now. God, <laughs> <laughs> I tried not to personalize it, but now it's. I've Samantha. got a real clear picture of her in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Eric said, "Hey, someone relevant podcast. I'm new to Twitter. Where's the question of the week, and how do I respond?" <laughs> <laughs> I just love that they did everything. They used the hashtag right. They used our name right. They just didn't answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. That one killed me. <laughs> really got me. Really got uh, me. Jason said that he would bring a huge box of Legos, but not like a kit. Not like something that, uh, you know, but, but just let his imagination go wild. And he says that by the end of 21 days, he'll have something that looks like one of the sk cityscapes at Legoland. Nice. Three <laughs> weeks is a long time to tinker with the Lego city. I, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, because... You're going to get it built in a few days. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And then you actually have to, like, play with it. That's, that's just weird. Yeah. Hey, so Joe said, I would take the 26-pound gummy python. I could eat it, use it as a pillow, and club off predators with it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, by the way, Jason McDaniel uh, on Twitter 
uh, warned us. I hope you guys don't come across these coconut crabs on the deserted island. Yeah, I saw those. Did you see the picture of the coconut crab? It's the size of a dog. <laughs> and what? I, uh, I, oh my! I just Google coconut crab. It is terrifying. Or, or I would bring a flying fox and put them in like a battle royale. John John Trimmer said, oh my gosh. Uh, if I was dropped off in a remote location, I would only need one thing, the still smoldering ashes of a huge ship. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. These are bonkers. Yeah, the coconut crabs? Yeah. Yeah, imagine if that thing was coming after you. Because think about little crabs, how fast they can move. Now, to that 10 times larger, they can go 10 times further and faster. How do we not know about these things? I don't know. I think your kids might. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to ask Henry. He probably knew. Henry, gonna, what are I'm the most terrifying Henry animals? Henry and Aaron, like I just discovered something amazing, and they're going to be like, oh, please, I totally know about that. Well, there's a lot more replies. If you want to join in, you can check out our Twitter feed and last week's episode page. Uh, before we do this week's question of the week, uh, I, I have a brief correction or apology. Uh, yeah, sorry for doing a How I Met Your Mother finale spoiler last week. I, I apparently ticked off several of you who had, had I guess, DVR'd it and have waited two weeks. I thought I was I, in, the, in the safe zone. I don't think you should have to apologize. Because if you if you care, you will have watched it within two weeks of you it happening. You 48 hours. And did you, did 40 they hours. not use the internet for those two weeks? Because everyone was talking about right, it. But I, I knew it. about it. I've never seen an episode yeah, of that show. Yeah, show. Me neither. And, and I knew that basically what you were saying had happened. All right, so. let, let, me, let me do an apology. Spoiler alert, you're bad at watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> I, apo- I apologize for being too good at sharing information about things that have happened forever ago. <laughs> like so, a yeah, week and a half prior. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, we actually had a lot of uh, ideas for the question of the week this week. We could have drawn, we could have talked about social media. We could have talked about gifts for dignitaries. We could have done a lot of things. Cheese. We could have talked about what. who would you give cheese to? How much and what kind of cheese would you give to a friend? Yeah. Your favorite business book related punchline. <laughs> What's the grossest thing you could live tweet? Yeah. All these other gross <laughs> I think we have a winner, but uh, you know, yeah, we have a lot of things. But what we want to know from you this week is we want you to, what would your pitch be to NBC for a sitcom? What would your sitcom pitch be? And the winner of this, actually, we're excited, will allow us to take that idea <laughs> and then we just pitch it. Oh. So you pitch to us and we'll take it. He's <laughs> pitch it to them. The opinions expressed by Eddie Kaufholz are no way represent the... <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah, so we want to know your best uh, sitcom ideas that you think NBC should pick up. Uh, if you want to uh, reply, hit us up on our podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast or post on our Facebook page. And we'll we'll, re- in, we'll read our favorites next week and we might even like... Oh, riff a little. R- you know, kind of like bring them to life. In yeah. some, maybe we'll do a table read. Maybe we'll do a scene or something. Many thanks to Don Miller and Bob Goff for talking to each other on our podcast. That's if you want to read uh, more of that conversation, hit up the current issue of Relevant. It's available on the iTunes newsstand at relevantmagazine.com and at uh, newsstands nationwide. Uh, thanks also to John Aka for joining us. Um, this is going to be fun having him come on regularly. It's going to be good. Love it. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I am uh, I'm kind of Charlotte, I'd say. Yeah, I'm Charlotte. Charlotte, <laughs> Charlotte Big Cat Coffold. Charlotte Big Cat Coffold. <laughs> definitely a Charlotte. I'm Jesse Carey. <laughs> I'm Shauna Nyquist. For Tad Michael Snavely. We'll see you next week.
for listening to The Relevant Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Relevant Podcasts. Check us out on Facebook and get bonus material from this episode at the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check out the magazine. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. He didn't prevent you from getting moved to the dog park, but don't worry, he's got the alligators under control.